Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 134, we discuss ESPN Plus on the verge of gobbling up rights to another European soccer league, news about a streaming service, possibly getting a cell phone service, uh, Christian Pulisic, uh, a documentary about him, heads to TV this weekend, League Earn is having a laugh. DirecTV now says au revoir, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, we've got some doozies this week in terms of some of the news, and probably this show is going to be more news-driven than uh, previous episodes, so we won't spend a lot of time on what we've been watching. I'm still in the process. I- I've moved, but this, this first week of uh, getting into a new home... A lot of it's been registering the kids for school, um, packing, getting furniture, just just a lot of different things going on. So, and, and actually, timing-wise, it's good because obviously, mostly friendlies on television. Uh, I've caught I caught the MLS All-Star Game on Wednesday night, and uh, there was a bit of a dud, uh, weather delay, typical Florida weather, and uh, Atleti fielding essentially starting off with a B team, bringing on some subs. And, and out of all the teams out there in the universe, probably the one team that you can, you can admire from a defensive point of view, but a team that's not going to light up, up up the stage or the pitch with some beautiful attacking, free-flowing football for 90 minutes, that team is Atleti. And, and then that team's probably one of the worst teams you could probably put in an all-star game because it, usually all-star game is all about fun, late, you mean, some skills, some you mean, really at- attractive football. And you have Atleti, which admirably defensively you get a goal and and they hold on and you usually win those games but not the best look there for major league soccer what about you Kartik? did you uh, catch anything that stood out from this past week um well i saw letty against real madrid that was interesting um diego costa went wild and it letty started so the guys who started on the bench in the mls all-star uh, match and i was quite surprised by letty's uh starting lineup um those guys were uh, starting the match against uh, against Real Madrid, and and they just went wild. And and you know, part of me is thinking, gosh, where was this when uh, there were was it four four successive years? Atleti was eliminated by Real Madrid uh, in the Champions League. Two of them obviously were in the final. 
um, you know, one, one was in one, one was in, they all went 120 minutes, right? And one was in penalties. So it's thinking, you know, it's funny. They get really motivated for an ICC match, but uh, Costa was very good. They have such an interesting team. Zhao Felix is potentially, and I, this is why I don't watch a whole lot of friendlies in the summer. I know everybody gets very obsessive about them and, and, and uh, you know, also chastises me for not watching them, more of them. And, and then what ends up happening is three, four weeks into the season, it, it, toward the end of August, no one cares that you didn't watch the friendlies because you've watched two or three weeks of, of, of uh, serious competitive matches. Uh, but what I've seen this summer, Zhao Felix, is potentially the breakout signing anywhere in Europe this summer. Um, there have been some high-profile signings, but I don't know that there's a signing that's even remotely potentially uh, has the upside of him. So that's... Uh, uh, I was very impressed by him. I'm very impressed by Costa. I'm just kind of impressed by how um, Atleti is going about their business. Uh, Kieran Trippier is already learning Spanish, something Gareth Bale didn't do. So uh, that's, I think, also very kind of uh, interesting. So I enjoyed watching that match. Uh, watched LAFC in Atlanta, which was another high-scoring match right after. Uh, there's a lot of question marks about DeBoer um, with Atlanta. They either grind out 1-0 wins or, or they're getting opened up, which is what happened in this match. And then um, uh, obviously saw a couple other assorted matches. NWSL, Utah, North Carolina was an interesting uh, game. North Carolina finally beat Utah uh, and did it not necessarily behind their biggest stars. So that was uh, that was good. And ESPN is cut, uh, falling into a groove a little bit with uh, with this uh, NWSL coverage, and they'll have another match on fr- Friday night. And then um, also uh, tried to keep an eye on the Audi Cup. Uh, obviously, uh, Spurs uh, did, were impressive in, in their match there, but um, injuries and Pochettino uh, not terribly happy after the match about uh, general things. Uh, been kind of distracted this week. Miami FC, uh, the team I work with, or uh, one of the teams I work with, is in the NPSL National Championship. So I'm actually uh, uh, tra- traveling with the team uh, to New York City, and uh, we face the Cosmos, which will take me kind of out of circulation the first weekend of um, European League action, mm-hmm. which is this weekend. Uh, although I'm going to still try and catch as much of particularly championship matches that, that I can, and maybe some Arabic essay as well. All right, Kartik. So New York Cosmos against Miami FC. Where can listeners watch that game uh, online? Okay, so it'll be Jonathan Yardley and Jonathan Barojo, who is a former Fort Lauderdale striker, Miami FC, and New York Cosmos player. So uh, you know, a real veteran of, uh, of uh, lower divisions and, and has done well on the mic in his first few games with the Cosmos. They'll be on MikeHuju.com and the NPSL uh, website, mpsl.com, and it'll, it'll pop up in some other places, but definitely MyKuju and, um, and npsl.com, and uh, it'll be the second successive year Jonathan Yardley has called the final. Uh, he's been the Cosmos announcer uh, for a number of years, uh, but he's been loaned uh, to, uh, he was loaned last year to the league to call the final, which was in New Jersey, which did not include the Cosmos, but also included Miami FC and, and travel to the match. So uh, that'll be good. And he's a guy, actually, that I think uh, we saw him for the first time 
couple of years ago, right? When uh, he, he started doing Cosmos games and then some uh, European U19 and U21 games for, for uh, ESPN mm-hmm. uh, during that summer. Uh, he's become better and better as time goes on. And he's a guy who's uh, uh, really, I mean, he, he calls a, a number of sports, but seems to call soccer properly uh I, this i'm not trying to be condescending but calls it really well mm-hmm. so um i'm always happy when i see uh that there's a match an important match which he's calling and, and he'll be calling this match that's good news because uh i, I mean I'll, I'll definitely look forward to watching the, that one and, and listening to the commentary when jonathan yardley started doing those espn games um he sounded like a baseball commentator just his cadence um and I think over time he got better, and I haven't heard heard him in a while, but uh, but looking forward to listening to him on that one. And um, all right, contact let's move on to, to TV streaming news, and this one potentially could be absolutely massive. Uh, I'll have you kick it off. Yeah, in fact, speaking of Miami FC, there was a lot of high fiving going on around the Miami FC office yesterday when the story broke, which is that ESPN Plus is adding the Bundesliga to its growing soccer portfolio reportedly beginning next year. Obviously, they have one more year on their Fox contract in the U.S. Um, it's funny, people, um, and this is just again an informal survey of, of people in the Miami FC office. People don't realize you could actually buy Fox Soccer Match Pass or whatever it's been branded as now and get all the Bundesliga matches. But it is the it, the price point is cost prohibitive, and uh, there's just this kind of feeling that. Um, uh, it, that the Fox isn't covering the Bundesliga properly. So uh, there was just a lot of excitement. I, mean, I was sitting in, in the office uh, when the story broke and uh, I'm telling you, everybody was excited about it. And then I get on Twitter and everybody's excited about it. Um, the question is, does this mean there will be fewer Bundesliga matches uh, on actual terrestrial ter- television. Think about this. Um, they've had several free-to-air matches every year on Fox, right? They've had um, consistently every week games on FS2 and, and maybe games on FS1 if it doesn't conflict with, with NASCAR. So are they effectively pulling back in a way, even though everybody seems very excited about this? Although the thing it does tell me, Chris, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, is that ESPN Plus has become such a one-stop shop for um, – soccer fans in this country that if there is a product that is not on ESPN plus, that's not the premier league. Cause everybody knows what the premier league is. Then you, you're, you're acting as if the product doesn't exist because um, it's on something else. And even though Bundesliga in, te- in theory had the best second best TV deal in the country, uh, people wanted it on ESPN plus. So I, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, so first of all, we must say that this has not been confirmed by ESPN that, uh, Essentially, they're saying no comment on this one, which is similar to uh, the response they gave me when I reported about um, what did I report recently about ESPN Plus? Oh, the Copa America that they were going to be broadcasting it in English and in Portuguese, and I had the story about I think about two months or three months before it was made official, and at that time too they, they made no comment on it. Uh, also, but it looks very likely that that's going to happen. The mixed feelings I have is looking at this is that um, if you're an ESPN Plus subscriber. This is fantastic news. Here's, a, here's another league that's going to be coming starting in August 2020 that you have access to, uh, I'm sure, every single game. Uh, I'm sure it'll be world feed commentary, I mean, HD quality broadcast. This is going to be great, in addition to everything else, what you're already getting. On this one, though, Kartik, I feel that, the, that the Bund- this is not a good thing for the Bundesliga. 
I went back to our podcast we did about uh, two or three months ago, which was something along the title of uh, where we think that La Liga and the Bundesliga should go in the next TV rights deal. And you and I discussed it for about probably about 25 to 30 minutes. And we both came back with, you know what? Fox is probably the best place for the Bundesliga, even though Fox has not uh, televised the league as best as, as as well as it could have done. But they have the distribution. They have over the air Fox, which is huge. Uh, that goes into 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 over a hundred million homes. They have the FS1, the FS2, Fox Soccer Match Pass, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So for me, for the Bundesliga, I'm sure in this deal they feel okay. I mean, I'm sure ESPN's offering some. Uh, a lot of money for the rights to this because this really elevates ESPN Plus uh, to a whole new, uh, other level. But I think with the Bundesliga, uh, they're going to miss some st- stuff here. Yes, it is conceivable that ESPN could uh, take maybe one, I don't know, the Bayern um, uh, Dortmund game and put that on ABC. I mean, that would be fantastic news if they could do that. That would bring it into a whole, I mean, a ton, millions of, of new homes. But it's likely that we'll get the same treatment that we got got from Serie A, which is one game a week on the weekends, live on ESPN2 on a Sunday morning, and then all the other coverage live on ESPN+. So I have mixed feelings. I, I'm, I'm positive about the ESPN+. Plus Kind of feeling that the Bundesliga is... Um, they, they've hit the heights of Fox. This is a step down in terms of... Yeah, ESPN's got a fantastic game, but this is a step down. You just hit a really important point I had not thought of, and I think no one has been th- talking about in their euphoria about this this uh, reported deal. Saturday mornings during college football season, the Bundesliga plays uh, in windows where they're just not going to be on uh, on an ESPN channel. Yeah, it'll be Sundays, and we saw that with Serie A this year, right? I mean, the games. It, you know, you began to see some more mixture in, 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 in when games were broadcast on ESPN2 or ESPN News once um, college football was over and college basketball was over. But And, and prime time for Bundesliga games, usually the big games, usually it's, it's 9.30 Eastern time on a Saturday morning or, the 12, yeah. or 12.30 Eastern time. The Sunday one is usually it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not the biggest team being played. Eastern or noon Eastern, right. Sometimes, um, right. That, that they might show, but... Um, the matches that conflict directly with college football uh, and college football pregame and game day and all these things, they won't show on on uh, over on their uh, um, terrestrial channels on their uh, linear channels. Excuse me. And here's the problem, Chris. This is this is ultimately there's so many reasons why the Premier League deal with NBC is the best deal. Uh, and it's not just because NBC produces things better and because NBC uh, is uh, uh, one of the three three historic uh, legacy major networks. It is also because NBC does not show very much college football or college basketball. Mm-hmm. That is a big part of it. So there is never any preemption. The only time there's ever a preemption of a Premier League match, it's bumped to CNBC because there's a Formula One race, which, by the way, the fan bases of the Premier League and Formula One tend to overlap pretty pretty heavily. So people don't complain about that. If it's for a college football game, people would complain. So, yeah, you know, you just brought up something I hadn't thought about. It will be like Serie A. The games that will be on will be on on Fridays or Sundays. Now, they maybe they'll show that Friday game every week. Right? I don't know what they're showing at that time on ESPN. I guess they have um, shows hands. they produce. Right. So if, it, if it's a Dortmund match or a uh, Bayern match, they'll show it. But here's the other concern uh, since, you're, since you're bringing this up. 
and we're trying to balance our uh, discussion of this. I think the teams outside of Dortmund and Bayern, even though, again, Fox has not been great at covering the league, there has been enough exposure for the Eintracht Frankfurts of the world and the Schalkes of the world that we've developed an appreciation and understanding of those clubs in the last few years that we may not have had before. And, for example, a guy like Holler being transferred to um, – uh, to West Ham this summer. Everybody has seen him play now. Everyone knows about him because he's at Eintracht. Four or five years ago, if that same transfer had been made, people wouldn't know the player as well. I'm wondering if we're going to be stepping back and we're only going to know about Bayern and um, and Dortmund after this deal uh, begins. Assuming, look, they haven't confirmed it, so it's possible it won't happen. I'm pretty sure it's, it's accurate reporting just based on... Mm-hmm. Uh, the way ESPN operates and the way and the timing and everything. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to discuss. I mean, I, I'm sorry if people are listening and they've been euphoric as the people I interacted with yesterday were. And now this is a bit of a come down, but that's what we do here. <laughs> we try yeah. and analyze this stuff objectively. At the, at the same time, though, too, Kartik, um, what we're missing with ESPN's coverage thus far of European soccer, club soccer, is the, the pregame, the halftime, the postmatch. Yeah. And and that was something. I mean, we, we, I mean we, we've criticized Fox so many times um, because some of their analysis and and the consistency was pedestrian. You you never know knew when they're going to be in the studio. Sometimes it was mailed mailed in, like really really poor. Other times it was really good. So it was very inconsistent. You never knew what to get, what you were getting. And with ESPN, you're getting essentially nothing. I mean, maybe five minutes of just the commentator talking, uh, building up the game. Half time, just you mean live video from the stadium, but but no analysis and a highlight reel, post match nothing. So so this hopefully pushes the envelope a little bit to say, okay, all right, ESPN, I think it's time to actually have some in studio analysis or some chat or discussion. They have the talent available. Whether or not they're willing to actually um, utilize that is another question. But but I think for the Bundesliga, I think in many ways they're kind of swayed by the the ESPN name. And saying, okay, hey, you mean okay, Fox did okay. They could have done better, but ESPN—that's that, you mean the worldwide leader in sports. I mean, that's this is going to be this is going to be fantastic. And I guess at the end of the day, it it is, and I'm sure ESPN again offered a ton of money for the, these rights. It it pop, probably was the best deal available to them because what are what other deals would have been available? Who knows if Fox were, was even interested in renewing the rights to the, to the Bundesliga? Or maybe they were. Kind of uh, hemming and hawing about um, about the TV ratings not being as good, good as they could, could have done. Um, they put a lot of effort into broadcasting the Bundesliga, but still, so much more they could have done. Like, like for example, Kartik, I'll ask you a question. Um, I'm not sure if you know the answer yet, and I'll ask the listeners. This weekend, this Saturday, is the German Super Cup. You got Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. What, what channel is that game on? Um. I don't know. It's on Fox Soccer Plus, I'm going to guess. <laughs> no, it's on over-the-air Fox. And here we are, we're recording this oh, on Thursday wow. morning. That, that's fantastic news. That's news that they should be screaming from the rooftops. Oh, my God, the German, German Super Cup, kind of the, it's the community shield uh, of, uh, of the Bundesliga. Massive game, massive match. You mean Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich, you mean looking really exciting in the build-up in the preseason. Now we have this game. It's going to be on Fox. It's going to be a doubleheader. You mean that game and then followed right after that is an MLS game. This is big news. I haven't seen or heard anything about it. And, and, that's, and that's one of my biggest issues with, with Fox's coverage of the Bundesliga 
is they're not promoting it. They didn't do it since day one. They're not doing it now as they're going into the final season. And at least with ESPN, at least you'll you'll get you'll get that uh, promotion. You'll get that exposure. You'll you might even see ads on on terrestrial, I mean, regular television, linear television for for the Bundesliga coverage now available on ESPN starting August twenty twenty. But- Here's a fundamental question, though. So we, we talk about the job ESPN did get, getting Serie A more exposure this year, and that's a common narrative. But they were going, again, no no insult towards BN, but we know BN's problems. They were going from BN to, ES, to the ESPN platforms. With the Bundesliga, they're going from Fox and matches that are over the air, at least when these two teams play, Dortmund and... And, and Bayern. I mean, that's regularly at least one of those two matches is on over the air uh, each season. And now with the Super Cup, that's added a, a, an additional layer. Um, and in fact, it was such a big match. ESPN, which has had the German Cup rights for years. Uh, remember, they uh, would always put that match on on one of their ESPN channels. And the rest of it was on behind the paywall on, well, or wherever on ESPN3 or, or, or ESPN Plus, um, the rest of the German Cup action. Uh do we see any tangible growth on ESPN a year or two from now? That's that's any different than any other league. Uh, I don't know yeah. that it'll have, I, I, get the bump Serie A did. I, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking it won't. Yeah, well, even the TV ratings for Serie A for uh, um, on ESPN and ESPN two during this past season, there weren't. There was nothing really to write home about. I mean, some of the games had over a hundred thousand viewers. Um, I think the highest might have been maybe. Off the top of my head, maybe 140, 150,000 viewers, which is pretty small. Um, not all those games were Juventus, of course. Uh, what I do know from several of my sources um, that have told me, when ESPN got the rights to Serie A, they overpaid for them. They, they spent a lot more money uh, than what BN uh, was paying. Not only that, but uh, they overpaid for them in order to, in, in order to get them. And if we remember, too, that was uh, the deal through IMG, and, and they also got the FA Cup as part of that. So so it's very likely that ESPN probably did the same thing with the Bundesliga and said, OK, we're going to make ESPN Plus the home of soccer. We're going to make it you're all European diehard soccer fans, as well as all those other sports that they have. This is going to be the home. And, and we're willing to invest in the future in terms of you know, generating as many subscribers as possible, maybe in two to three years from now, increasing the price uh, in that mean, in the meantime, too, of the next probably eighteen months or more, is cross promoting Disney Plus. All right, you've got ESPN Plus now. Get Disney Plus. Add that on for another ten dollars a month, or, or maybe as an ESPN Plus subscriber, maybe get that as I don't know seven ninety five or something like that. And they're building, even they're building a huge audience, and they're banking on this being the future of broadcasting. That in say five years from now. All of us pretty much will have ESPN Plus as we have to have it in order to access our soccer. At the same time, though, Kartik, uh, so so I, I think, for, again, for ESPN Plus, is, this is a home run hit. For the Bundesliga, this really, I mean, the likelihood that they're going to get some viewing figures now, I mean, for the bits on the big games on Over the Air Fox, they were getting, what, 400,000, sometimes 500,000 viewers, uh, which are big numbers, historically speaking, for the Bundesliga. Um, the li- likelihood of that happening again, unless some of these games will be on ABC, which is possible. I mean, maybe one game a year, 
mean having you mean a title well not, not a title game but but the, but the actual uh, derby well not derby but Bayern against Dortmund on right AMC. and it'll be the second match right it's right. the second time they'll play right every yeah. year it'll be the March or April match that'll be the only game they show probably over the year what this does though Kartik too at the same time is um, this means that Fox is even more out of the European club soccer business um, once if if and when they do lose the Bundesliga at the end of the season they're done. All they have then is, which which is it's it's a lot to to mention. But they have the Women's World Cup, they have the World Cup, they have those big properties as well as, of course, other leagues from around the world, mostly North America. But they're out of the European soccer club business, and at the same time, to me, this pretty much kills Fox Soccer Match Pass because you you take the Bundesliga and uh, the Bundesliga two out of the the equation. What do you have left? And it's it's hardly anything, especially at twenty dollars a month. Maybe maybe they'll end up graveyarding uh, that streaming package and just saying, okay, let's move on and, and kill it and uh, offer their their current subscribers foxsports.com or access to to there for some of the games like the MLS games, etc. All right, Kartik, let's move on to the next news item, and that is that AT and T is launching yet another TV streaming service this fall, which means that AT&T is killing off DirecTV Now, the name DirecTV Now, and they will relaunch it as AT&T TV Streaming Service. Um, So we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next few months. There's been rumors, actually, that it's very likely that the the new DirecTV Now, which is going to be the AT&T TV, is going to require an AT&T branded Android TV streaming player in order to actually watch this. So, <laughs> I mean, it's sad in many ways too, because when DirecTV launched, or when DirecTV now launched, it was actually, I mean, in terms of the user interface, um, yes, it was unreliable. They had problems with it crashing in the beginning, but it was one of the most sexiest uh, streaming packages, uh, streaming services available and uh, then the AT&T acquisition of DirecTV happened, and now everything is becoming AT&T, and it's very much kind of the uh, the big monopoly kind of thinking in terms of that, rather than some DirecTV more I don't know more more uh, intelligent decisions, more more for the consumer. And now it's all about AT&T. So so it's sad news for DirecTV now subscribers. You probably will be getting some messages, uh, some communications if you already haven't done so uh, in the next few weeks to the next few months to talk about the changes. But uh, unfortunately, this probably means the death of DirecTV now. Uh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think that that's the handwriting's on the wall. And there's there are rumors, persistent rumors, that AT&T might sell DirecTV completely. That's uh, right. A, a, as, as they... Uh, uh, continue to expand, and, and and I don't know if it would be something that's enforced by the Justice Department or something they just do. But uh, yeah, this is this is unfortunate because I think it was the first full on uh, streaming suite that was mainstream. We, we've uh, things like Sling and Fubo have become more mainstream since, but that had um, all of the bells and whistles built in, and the interface made made it feel like it, the best of television and the best of what you get on your your tablets and laptops. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, I'm going to be sad to see it go, but uh, this this is what happens when you get these big giant companies uh, gobbling up some of these. Uh, I mean, DirecTV was was big too, but uh, basically kind of taking control over DirecTV and all the good things they had done for soccer in the past, and 
now it, this DirecTV is no longer anything uh, similar to what we've been used to in the past. This is now this is really now AT and T big time. Yeah, to the point where their logo is even the AT and T globe. Yeah. All right, Kartika, then uh, some big weekends, uh, some big things happening this weekend. Yeah, so starting uh, Friday at 2.45 p.m., which is the Luton Town. Luton Town's return to the championship, by the way, against uh, Middlesbrough. And they've had – Luton Town's had, what, three promotions now in the last few years. Uh, and that's on ESPN+, Plus, as, as you would expect. We're going to have a lot of uh, championship era Vedese action uh, – there was, a, I think, a League One match that ESPN Plus is showing this weekend. Uh, so check out the program, guys. European football uh, regular season action is back starting this weekend. And you mentioned uh, the German Super Cup uh, on Fox, which I was not aware of. But a lot of, lot of football this weekend. Uh, European League seasons are back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it personally, especially with the move, but also not, uh, not having watched a lot of the friendlies. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching meaningful matches that you mean have you mean in terms of especially the opening weekend of the championship which usually there's goals are flying in at both ends it's really entertaining and uh like you said to Eredivisie so both of those on on ESPN plus we have the schedule uh for both of those leagues at worldsoccertalk.com as well as on the homepage of worldsoccertalk.com we've got an article that goes into more detail about watching the championship um uh, via ESPN Plus and some of the other streaming options available uh, out there. So looking forward to it, and hopefully Leeds United will be as uh, exciting as they were last season. Now moving on, Sling TV has uh, lost the Fox Sports regional channels due to a carriage dispute. Uh, in fact, uh, Dish Network and Sling TV are considering permanently dropping Fox regional sports networks um, but they hope to offer a price break if that happens. Um, that's bad news, really, for um, some Major League Soccer clubs, too, that have uh, some of their games um, available through the Fox Sports regional channels, as well as uh, even Liga MX. Uh, some of their games are aired on some of the regional Fox Sports channels, especially in, um, I think, Southern California and New Mexico, that area. Now, speaking of which, in, in terms of uh, Spring TV... Uh, some of you may have heard that there's uh, that the T-Mobile and Sprint merger has been approved, and that's going to happen really quickly. Uh, how does this affect soccer fans? Well, uh, T-Mobile currently owns uh, two cellular networks, which is uh, Boost and Metro PCS. And what happens in terms of the deal between T-Mobile and Sprint, the merger, is that uh, T-Mobile has been forced into selling Boost and Metro PCS. They are planning on selling those uh, cellular networks to Dish. Now, Dish owns Sling TV, and um, they're planning of naming the new Dish uh, wireless company. Well, they're they're thinking about making it um, Sling Wireless. Just as Sling TV, you've got Sling Wireless. And as part of that, too, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if you're a Sling TV subscriber, you could get a package deal, too, where you could get uh, add Sling Wireless to your Sling TV um, streaming service in the coming months to coming coming year or so, uh, and it could, could be some interesting possibilities there. Maybe um, unlimited data for any any coverage of Sling TV that you're watching through Sling Wireless. That's a possibility. So so it's definitely one to uh, uh, watch out for. Now, Kartik, uh, this is interesting too. On Sunday, some uh, something to uh, take take out that DVR or that streaming service and and uh, record this one. This sounds inter- interesting. 
Yeah, as part of the uh, E60 series, ESPN Sam Borden will sit down with uh, Christian Pulisic, now of Chelsea, for an exclusive interview and feature. It'll air 9 a.m. on Sunday, and this is something a lot of people are excited about. There's been so much hype about Pulisic and Chelsea this summer uh, in the U.S., more than I, even I had anticipated. Yeah, it'll be interesting, too, to see how NBC covers uh, Christian, because, uh, you mean, do they hype him up? Do they take more of a measured response? Do they? What are they planning on doing uh, in terms of the way that they analyze him? Are they going to go all in, like, like say, Fox would, and have, I don't know, a 20-minute discussion on this one player? Um, we'll have to wait and see. And actually, hopefully, next week, too, I'll have an interview with the uh, executive producer from NBC Sports to go into more detail about that and, and some other exciting developments that uh, are happening at NBC Sports for the Premier League season. Last but not least, Kartik, and this is when I opened up the podcast and I mentioned we've got some doozies. This one is a doozy, a doozy of a story. And that is some comments that the League Earn uh, CEO made about U.S. television distribution. So for those listeners who don't know, which is probably the vast majority, uh, I think it was four League Earn clubs came to the United States um, last month for uh, a couple of friendlies that were played in Washington, D.C. There was absolutely zero media coverage about about this. Uh, I don't think any of the games were actually televised. And um, there was even the crowds, too. The crowds were tiny. I mean, there was more empty seats than there were people in the stadiums. And it's just really poor uh, promotion. I mean, a league like this should be doing much, much more to try to actively promote their league and, and clubs in the United States. This was not a good look. But anyway, while they were in town, uh, Jonathan Tannenwald from the Philadelphia Inquirer got a chance to interview him, the CEO of League Gun, and he had some really interesting comments. So let me read those out. Uh, So the League Gun CEO says, we are not satisfied by the broadcast coverage in the US. League Gun cannot be powerful if League Gun is not distributed by Fox or ESPN. We don't want and uh, we we don't want to do something against BN Sports. We want to do something with BN in order to to increase the value of the rights. We are having ongoing discussions in order to recover the numbers, which are not big enough in the U.S. What is good for League One is good for BN, and vice versa. I mentioned those two because I know those two, but there are others. So this is. Really interesting on several different levels, can't yeah. I mean, the first thing is is that the rights for Liga uh, are owned, the US rights are owned by BN Sports until the end of the 2023-2024 season. So we were several years out from actually those, those actually rights expiring, which to me then, um, I mean, kind of the elephant in the room in this then is that Liga is essentially saying, okay, we're talking about we're talking to other people. To me, reading between the lines, this says that they're they're obviously concerned about the longevity of being sports. How much longer will being sports be in business, and will they be able to uh, fulfill the rights deal that they currently have in place? There's definitely some other take, takes that can, be, that can be taken from these quotes. But uh, what's your thoughts on on these quotes from this uh, gentleman? They're pretty explosive because uh, first off. There is the intertwined ownership of BN and PSG. Then there is the fact that PSG is not reaching its potential in this country because they're stuck on BN. 
And I see more and more PSG shirts, more and more awareness of PSG in this country than ever before. But there's not um, – they're not at the level of um, – Obviously, they're not at the level of the English clubs, but they're not even at the level of the Real Madrid's, the Barcelona's, the Atleti's, uh, Bayern, Juventus, and the two Milan clubs in terms of um, awareness and, and people who support them in this country. Now, I think they probably would be close to that level, except for obviously the Real Madrid-Barcelona one, but they'd be with the other clubs I mentioned, maybe even higher uh, if they were on another network. So this is all very, very interesting, and, and you have to feel for BN. I think – it's a situation where they've done the best with the properties they have. Um, and they have um, tried to give this league in particular because of the, the cross-ownership relationship maybe more exposure than it warranted, uh, which got Serie A fans quite unhappy for a number of years. Let's mm-hmm. not forget that. Yeah. Uh, but – when it comes down to it, they just don't have the bandwidth or the various additional distribution platforms, even though, quite frankly, being Connect was a decent product um, in the market. But they just don't have the distribution platforms or level or numbers that are going to satisfy these leagues who are all craving some sort of push in the U.S. market. And uh, I, I don't know how this gets resolved because I think we, we've made it pretty clear how we think it's going to go with, with – uh, um, La Liga after this season and um, their relationship with relevant sports and, and where that takes them. But I had just assumed Liga uh, because of the, 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 the Qatari connection, the connection to Qatar, there would be that that would be the last holdout. But based on these quotes that, that our friend Jonathan Tanwald uh, got, uh, they, they're ready to move right now. And they were looking for a way to get the way I interpret it, Chris, they are urging BN, who has typically had a policy not to sublicense um, their properties, to sublicense this property to Fox or ESPN. That's what that's what exactly. I get from it. Exactly. Yeah, he says we don't want to do something against BN. We want to do something with BN in order to increase the value of the rights. And you're absolutely right. They must be having discussions or trying to have discussions to say, go into an ESPN Plus and say, okay. Uh, would you be interested in sublicensing some of these games, or could you put a, P- a PSG against Lyon game on um, ESPN two? Is that possible? And I'm sure ESPN would say, "I mean, uh, this is just uh, hypothetical." It's it, of course we'd love to. That would be fantastic. The issue is that BN Sports has, I'm sure, a very tightly written contract that says they have the exclusive rights by BN Sports letting any of these go these games go to to sublicense these out. Financially, it will help them, but in terms of uh, leverage, in terms of the appeal of uh, wanting people to subscribe to be in sports, that's not going to help be in sports in, in, in any way. That's, if anything, going to uh, limit the number of subscribers, and the subscriber numbers are, are dropping substantially because of losing DirecTV and Comcast, and, and that's not going to help them in, in those situations. So, yeah, this I mean, but, but the, at the end of the day, Kartik, it's a chicken and an, and an egg story because. Even if, perfect scenario, if uh, the CEO of Liga was able to do a deal and be in sports said, okay, all right, all right, we need some financial um, revenue to come in to help us because we've lost all the subscriber fees from DirecTV and Comcast. We're willing to give you uh, three games or two or three games a weekend and maybe one of those games or maybe two of those games are on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, maybe one of them is on FS2 or something. Or, and then one of them maybe is on... on um, on ESPN, big ESPN, or ESPN2, whatever it may be, on, on television, 
the likelihood that those TV ratings would be sizable enough to be relevant are almost zero, unless it's PSG. And, and even with PSG, I mean, we've seen in previous seasons too. I mean, they run away with the league. I mean, it's just a, it's such a one-team league. At the end of the day, there's very little interest in league earn. That's that's what the league earn CEO has to realize is that having league earn on being sports, they've had the most accessible and best coverage of that league in the United States ever, ever, ever. The league has never had that type of uh, focus. And now being sports, they, they did everything that they could to promote league earn in the beginning of the, the contract that they had with them. A lot, of, a lot more games were on television. And they saw the same numbers, the TV numbers that we saw, which were pitiful. Nobody is interested in League Un, unless you're a purist, you're a soccer purist, or you're a scout. Or it's actually an entertaining league to watch. There's nothing wrong with the league itself. It's just in terms of all the competition, all the different things happening, how relevant is League Un? PSG, yes. I see more PSG shirts uh, in, in public than I do MLS shirts. And my guess is most of those people watching PSG and not watching them in Liga and they're watching them in the Champions League it's kids or teenagers I mean kind of watching PSG even to the point PSG wore wore the uh, jumpsuit suit the the, uh, Jordan uh, in uh, kit in in the Champions League and that's what everybody ran out and bought right and they're not wearing it in, in league play I mean that, that was very noticeable by the way Chris just based on which kit people were buying Absolutely, absolutely. It's all about the brand. So PSG has a fantastic brand. Viewership and interest in, in actually watching that team play is is pitiful. I mean, in comparison to other teams, um, there are other teams with, with less well-known brands that get a lot more viewers because the league is more relevant. And um, the, the accessibility of being sports, if you really are interested in League Earn, uh, being Sports Connect is probably more available through more streaming third-party platforms than, than Fox Soccer Match Pass or NBC Sports Live or uh, some of these, I mean, some of these other ESPN Plus combined in terms of accessibility, you can get it through Fubo, you can get it through Sling, you can get it through PlayStation View, you can get it through all these other places. So it's it's interesting. I mean, League One CEO is obviously trying to build up uh, the league and say, hey, the reason that uh, we're not doing great is because of being sports. They're the ones to blame. When the reality is that the league has done absolutely hardly anything to promote the league in the United States. I mean, they've had, I mean, PSG has come here for the ICC. Uh, They sent these four teams here, but you can't just do that. You need to do a lot more than that. You need to be in regular contact with the journalists, soccer journalists, U.S. soccer media on a regular basis. You can't just show up and expect everyone to come. And I think these these, um, four games in D.C., are proof of that. I mean, yes, it wasn't PSG, but uh, I think you had what Marseille. I think you had Bordeaux. You had uh, Saint Etienne. Uh, you had teams that have some 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 diehard interest for sure. There's they are pockets of diehard interest in these teams in the United States. Small pockets, albeit, but it takes time. And so I, I think, in many ways, for Liga and CEO to come out and say, "Yeah, I think uh, we cannot be powerful." It, unless we're distributed by Fox or ESPN. Fox or ESPN are going to laugh them out of the room and go like, why, should, why would we put your games on our, on our television stations? Because they're not going to generate the numbers that are going to satisfy the advertisers. Um, ESPN Plus might be interested, but uh, on a very limited... I mean, I'm sure they're not, not, not willing to pay a lot of money for the league because there's very little interest in it. So 
I don't know. I just thought that the league earns uh, CEO's comments were very bullish and seems to me he just doesn't get it. He, he's kind of just uh, thinking that, okay, yeah, the ticket to success has been on, on Fox or ESPN. And he says a couple of others. I mean, NBC probably is one of them. Um, and you know, I don't know, CBS or somebody like that, some other big broadcaster might be an, another one there too. But uh, I don't know. I just thought this was really, really strange comments for somebody who should understand what's going on and seems to be completely clueless. All right, Kartik, TV ratings. Not a bunch. We don't have a bunch uh, this week, uh, but we do have a few. And again, we'll update those probably next week on worldsoccertalk.com with uh, all of the listings. But uh, just a few to throw out here. Real Madrid against Arsenal on ESPN. Uh, 352,000 viewers uh, for the ICC game. Then the Real Madrid-Atleti game on Friday, last Friday on ESPN, the one that you watched, 276,000 viewers uh, which was right before the LAFC Atlanta game from Major League Soccer, 270,000 viewers um, on ESPN. And then last but not least, LA Galaxy against Portland on FS1 on, on uh, I think it was either Saturday night or Sunday night, uh, 171,000 viewers. So again, FS1 still is having issues uh, on in primetime MLS broadcasts. Those numbers continue to be far, far lower than what uh, ESPN is doing. Listener mailbag. Uh, first up is Jim Fusick, and he says, uh, can you discuss the LFC, the Liverpool preseason tour coverage on BR Live? Did the club make more money with a deal independent to ICC? Personally, I feel they realised their fan base was driving the turnout and using their LFC TV announcers allowed for the freedom to choose their own cities and timeline. Klopp hates preseason tours. They finished this uh, necessary evil in less than seven days. Is this a model clubs will follow? Any reaction from relevant sports? Um, so, uh, uh, Jim, you're completely accurate in your view of Klopp. I, I was going to add that my sources tell me Klopp was uh, not happy with the ICC, not happy with the training facilities uh, they were assigned in advance of ICC friendlies or in between friendlies or between ICC matches, right? The ICC doesn't say they're friendlies, but but they really are. Um, uh, he had actually even remarked uh, to someone that I spoke to, he they would have been better off just staying at Melwood and playing uh, Tranmere and, and you know all the local clubs, right? Uh, uh, in in uh, maybe Fleetwood Town, et cetera, Wigan, in, in friendlies there than what they went through uh, the previous few years in the ICC. So I think this was crafted specifically because of Klopp's preferences. So you're absolutely right on that. Um, as far as this being a model, other clubs will follow. Um, it depends whether um, they have the ability to generate enough revenue uh, to meet their projections or whatever their needs are from preseason touring uh, without going through the ICC. I think uh, it's more possible for Premier League clubs. So Liverpool obviously has done it now. Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, um, maybe Arsenal, and, and certainly maybe Manchester City and Spurs, but I'm not quite sure about those two. I think those two might still need to be in the ICC if they can be. Um, but those other three big English clubs. As far as the other clubs from the continent, uh, no, I think that the ICC pr provides a platform and ability for them to generate those revenues, get that touring. It's a necessary evil economically and it gets them in big stadiums in front of big crowds and a lot of media. So that's 
I, I think, very useful for a lot of clubs. But for Liverpool, your analysis is spot on, and I don't expect them to go back to the ICC unless it's forced or unless they until they have a new manager. Because I, I had gotten – and again, that wasn't just one source. There were several sources telling me Liverpool uh, – Klopp in particular had his own opinions about, uh, about it. And now, as it turns out, Liverpool had 97 points or 96 points in the league and uh, won the Champions League after playing in the ICC. So maybe those preseason preparations weren't as bad as Klopp had thought at the time. But uh, yes, he had a lot to do with this, for sure. So according to my sources, which are different than your sources, Kartik, what I heard was that uh, Liverpool FC, that the club themselves were disappointed by the turnout for games in the United States. They were disappointed by the number of people that greeted them at the airport upon arrival. And um, they were disappointed overall in terms of ticket sales. Now, having said that, they did they did pretty well by going independent to ICC. So they had, I think, 40,000 at uh, Notre Dame. Uh, they had a smaller crowd at Yankee Stadium, which is an abomination that shouldn't even be used for soccer in the first place yeah. anyway. Uh, and I believe Fenway Park had, had a sizable crowd. But all in all, and actually my sources have told, told me too, that it's not just Liverpool. So I think almost all of the Premier League clubs that came to the United States this summer um, said that they were disappointed. They were disappointed in terms of the turnouts and, and kind of the interest in those teams and in hindsight, they felt that they should have probably gone to Asia or elsewhere because um, it feels like, and we've talked about this in the last week's podcast too, it feels like this is really kind of a turning point in terms, I mean, uh, there's a lot of burnout, I mean, from soccer fans, um, ticket prices aren't getting any cheaper, and there's de- definitely an apathy, partly probably because of the US team, the men's team crashing out of the women's, uh, the World Cup qualify, uh, World Cup 2018, but other things too, in terms of all the competitions this summer, and there's just so much going on. I mean, how and do these you teams come every team? year? Yeah, I, this is this is the feedback I've gotten. These same teams come every year, and the people who are excited to jump in their car or buy a, a, an airplane ticket and fly, uh, or drive, fly or drive to Charlotte or, or Nashville or wherever, some far flung place for them uh, to see an ex European team. They've now seen them, and they also and. I don't want people at Relevant or people who are match promoters to take this the wrong way. Maybe they will, because I, I mean, I know they have to do what they have to do to generate the revenue and, and interest they do. But there is also an increasing sophistication of American-based European football fans that these matches really don't matter. So, yeah, um, but, but but still, those those games get more viewership than uh, games for games that supposedly matter, which are Major League Soccer games. Well, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm not arguing that point. Well, the point I am arguing is, do they get more viewers and more interest than um, a, a, a Liverpool versus Arsenal match in the Premier League, no, or no. in the Champions League, Obviously or not. in the FA Cup? Well, the FA Cup now we can't quantify anymore, right? right. But, um, in the past. No, they don't. And, and I think we've gotten to that point where, okay, we'll watch it because it's our team. There's also less, you're watching it a little less passionately too. So mm-hmm. I, I think we've hit that point. It's a, it's, a, it's a maturity thing. And I think it's a good sign about the maturity of the American audience that these friendlies aren't uh, as much of draws. And I know last year when Bayern and Borussia Dortmund both came to the country, it was a pretty big deal. Borussia Dortmund now has come again 
and it wasn't as big a deal for their fans. Although there were some that made the trek to Notre Dame for the match against Liverpool because there's so much intertwined. There's just so much similarities between those clubs, and obviously there's the Klopp factor too intertwining them. Um, I, but I, I find it. I, I don't know. I, I find it so condescending though that, that several people on Twitter and social media, and you just mentioned it, Kartik, is saying that the reason that the that the attendance is is because of uh, a maturation of the uh, of the actual U.S. soccer fan. The U.S. soccer fans are becoming smarter about the decision making. I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has basically down to dollars and cents. It's like these tickets are very expensive. There's so much choice, so many teams available that yes, I mean the diehard Liverpool fans will go to see those games at Notre Dame and, and Yankee Stadium and and in um, Fenway Park and other places, but. I mean, it, it's more the casual, the mainstream fan, the mainstream fan who may not may, may not be an LFC fan, may not be a Dortmund fan, but is looking at the game going, okay, do I spend I don't know, a few hundred dollars to take my family to go see this game or do I watch it on television? But I, I, I don't think it's – to me, it's very condescending to say, okay, now all of a sudden this is because of U.S. soccer fans suddenly becoming uh, more intelligent about the game. U.S. soccer fans been intelligent for years. I'm I'm not I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. I mean I think I disagree with that. I think U.S. fans have gotten more sophisticated. Um, I'm not sure U.S. fans were that intelligent about the game eight to ten years ago. It sounds very condescending, yeah. But I I think and there's there's still signs with the way the the national team is covered here, the men's national team, that a lot of people in the media and a lot of U.S. fans just don't uh, don't get it. But Although, Chris, I think it's really telling about the Barcelona-Napoli match next week. I think this is a great opportunity for Napoli. It's, uh, it was a great when Everton came over to the ICC one year and got matches against high-profile uh, super clubs in, in Europe. I think where the ICC and these American friendlies are still really good is where you've got the Napolis of the world and you've got uh, clubs, uh, maybe Fiorentina in the future, now that Rocco Camiso has bought them. Everton. Yeah, I, I think I'd love to see West Ham be in the ICC because uh, they've got a substantial fan base and uh, it would it would be great for them to play Real Madrid in kind of the atmosphere of a big American stadium with a lot of fans and the opportunity for their fans to see them play Real Madrid or Barcelona or someone of that ilk. I think that's where we need to evolve to and, and, I, and I get the sense Relevant knows that and has already done that by inviting Napoli to play Barcelona in a one-off uh, matched up the La Liga Serie A Cup. Uh, Napoli spent most of the last decade in the top four, top three or four in Italy. And uh, they do not have the brand recognition in the United States that maybe they should. Their glorious era was with Maradona before soccer was was a mainstream sport here. So uh, I I still think that these friendlies have a real purpose, and I'm actually uh, pretty excited Napoli is getting this opportunity to play Barcelona in a big American stadium. Okay, but having said that, though, too, so if, if, if you're a Barcelona fan, you're going to be you mean, probably first in line or first online to, um, on Ticketmaster to try and get tickets to this game. If you're a Napoli fan, you're going to be probably first in line to say, okay, where, wherever I live in the United States, I'm going to this game. But if you're not a Barcelona or a Napoli fan, and um, there's a question whether or not Messi's going to play or not, would you buy tickets? And, and you and I, Kartik, we live in Florida. This game is going to be next week. Uh, for me, if I was really willing to, I would make an effort to go out of my way to watch this game, get a press pass, and go see it. Um, yourself included, you're, you're in South Florida too, but this is a game I'm going to pass on because it, it just, it, to me, I, I can just watch this on television. I, why do I have to actually go to attend this game unless I'm a Napoli or Barcelona fan? Yeah, I made the last minute decision to apply for a credential. I mean, literally last minute, an hour before. Uh, 
the credentialing closed uh, just because it's local. And I'm thinking my, my initial intention was to go see Orlando play Atlanta in the Open Cup in the semifinal. Now I'm thinking this is less of a drive after the trip to New York, et cetera. Uh, but it's still possible that I will pass on that match and go uh, to the Open Cup match in, in Orlando because that is a pretty historic occasion for Orlando City that they, uh, that they have gotten this far in the U.S. Open Cup after traditionally being eliminated by other teams from Florida, Miami FC, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, et cetera. And also uh, the Orlando-Atlanta rivalry is still a thing where Orlando now, we're three years in, they haven't beaten them yet. So, um, but yeah, would I pay? Okay, but I'm media, right? So if I'm a fan and I'm buying a ticket, I I think you're right. I guess I wouldn't buy a ticket. Yeah, and and again, if I'm a Napoli or Barcelona fan, it's it's a slam dunk. If I'm not... It's like, okay, how much are tickets and uh, am I willing to make that effort to go and how much is parking and, and how much is, you mean, concessions? Because, I mean, that, that, that's part of the reason I think the ICC's had trouble this summer is because there's so much soccer coverage on television and, and on streaming. We're spoiled for choice. So there has to be a convincing reason for us to go to the stadium to actually attend a game. And yes, I, I mean, I, lo- I love soccer. I love watching soccer in person. I love soccer, watching soccer on television. But there has to be I mean, a relevant reason to go to these games. And, and relevant is the one that, that is promoting this uh, Serie A La Liga Cup. And I haven't been impressed with relevance um, marketing of ICC in general this, this year, especially. Um, and we've seen that from the, the attendances. In past years, they were averaging about 60,000. This summer so far, those games are averaging 30,000. So um, in just a few years, they've dropped by half. Now, going back to Jim's initial question, uh, can you discuss the LFC preseason tour coverage on BR Live? Last week's podcast, we went into a lot of detail. If you're an LFC fan, Liverpool fan, then you probably thought it was great uh, for the most part, except uh, some streaming issues. Hopefully, this will be resolved soon. Did the club make more money with a deal independent to ICC? I don't know for sure, but I would believe so. Them being in charge of their own their own destiny and setting ticket prices and doing the deals that they, they need to do to bring these teams in to play against is very likely that they are actually generating more rev, revenue, more income, uh, not going through ICC. And like you said, Kartik, I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, maybe not next year, but in coming years when uh, Premier League clubs come to the United States, if you're in the top four, you're, you're probably thinking, OK, LFC could do it. We can do it too, but better, and and they're likely to go ahead uh, independent of ICC. But but you have to be um, you have to be careful with this, okay? And and I, I don't want to take uh, whatever. I guess what, what, whatever comes it. out of my mouth, people will be <laughs> angry about. But Liverpool has a more passionate following. Okay, you can look at numbers and say, oh, Manchester United gets the same ratings, or uh, Chelsea gets the same ratings. Liverpool has a more passionate following than any other club in England, and I believe any other big club in Europe with the possible exception of Borussia Dortmund. Those would be the top two. So um, the intensity of Liverpool fans would lend them to travel to these sorts of friendlies, uh, pay the two ninety nine for the BR Live, uh, uh, and also make sure they watch the matches on TNT. I am not sure Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, Arsenal, maybe Arsenal, but I'm not sure about Manchester United and Chelsea and their fan bases in the U.S. Um, and and I, I don't think the case, that's the case with Manchester City at all. Um, Spurs tend to have an intense fan base, but it's smaller. Pull this off quite as well. Now, I think they'll try. They might pull it off, but um, they 
probably won't have uh, it won't be as easy to pull it off as what I'm saying as it as it's been for Liverpool. And I expect Liverpool to continue to do this. I don't think they'll be in the ICC for the foreseeable future. I could be wrong. Maybe they'll be pressure because they're not in the ICC and everyone else is. Uh, but until that pressure comes, I think this is the model now for them. So next up is JP. JP says, in regards to streaming versus cable uh, from last week's podcast, I agree with Kartik. The pendulum has swung to cable, probably being the cheaper option overall if you follow multiple sports along with other entertainment. None of the streaming options have everything needed, at least in my area. PlayStation View had it all a few years ago before dropping B-In, and I was set to switch to them when my contract expired, but then the B-In drop happened. As my contract was coming up again recently, I was looking for ways ahead of time to possibly combine streaming service and get all that was essential. PlayStation View plus the international sports option from Sling Sling, seemed like it would get it done and, and come out a bit cheaper. But then PlayStation View dropped a regional sports channel essential to watching hockey and baseball. Yes, View has been sports now, but in order to get that regional channel and ESPN, BN and NFL would have had to either get Fubo paired with Sling Orange or YouTube uh, TV paired with Sling TV and their sports package. Taking internet into account, that becomes more expensive than the cable bundle with internet, etc. So based on what's provided and convenience, Easier to flip channels and cable instead of switching through multiple services for different channels needed via streaming. Cable sadly comes out on top. Lucky Verizon is available in my area, and I and they have been in HD, along with access to Authenticate and watch Univision Deportes online, so I don't need BR Live. And, and again, going back to what JP said, um, a lot of it depends on what each individual is looking for. So you can... Uh, get internet access through your local, I mean, DSL or uh, fiber or um, cable, whatever it may, it may be. And then de- depending on what things you're looking for, what things you want to watch and your family wants to watch, you can save money, but you have to do your homework and it, it does take time. And we've built a whole bunch of resources on worldsoccertalk.com that go into more detail about who offers what, all the different options available <clears throat> to help make it an easier decision, whether it's television or streaming. Monty Reed says, uh, in the African Africa Cup of Nations, Robbie Nock was the commenta- commentator for the final. He was calling the match from the stadium in Cairo. He was in Cairo calling matches throughout the tournament. So, Monty, thanks for the, uh, the heads up there. Um, I guess for that goal in the final of the Africa Cup of Nations... He must have just missed it and just uh, couldn't uh, tell that it had gone in the back of the net. But uh, thank you for the, uh, the info there. Aza says, I wish you guys stopped talking about ESPN refusing to... Oh, actually, no. I wish you guys started talking about ESPN refusing to air ICC games being played um, in American stadiums on American soil, not overseas. Um so I, I think what he's just trying to say is that uh, a lot of these games in the ICC, not all of them are on ESPN. Some of them are on, on ESPN+. Plus. Um, part of that is also because, I mean, the, the games for the ICC that are played in Asia, those games are anywhere from 5.30 in the morning Eastern time to 7.30 in the morning Eastern time, uh, kickoff times. And uh, to have those games on ESPN or ESPN2 doesn't make any sense. Uh, ESPN Plus would be the best destination for those. Uh, He goes on to say the Dutch Super Cup final um, recently 
was on noon on Goal TV, a channel that millions of people don't have. The Emirates Cup final was on a Sunday on ESPN3. Arsenal versus Lyon was uh, ESPN3 will also stream eight or so. Uh, oh, ESPN3 will also stream uh, eight, or, eight or so uh, German Cup games starting on August 9th. NBC re- released the EPL TV schedule. Please focus on the football that matters. 99% of listeners don't care about the League's Cup, women's club football, or the two ESPN, MLS commentators, etc. And Aza, while I appreciate your uh, honest, uh, f- heartfelt uh, feedback, people do care. It, and, and for a lot of listeners, myself, um, me and Kartik, Kartik and I, uh, love soccer, so we will watch kind of any brand of soccer, any league of soccer from around the world, and and that's really kind of what sets World Soccer Talk apart from some of the other talking heads, whether just watching Major League Soccer or just watching the Premier League, is we will jo- enjoy and, and watch and observe and analyze all sorts of um, leagues from around the world. And yes, we do watch uh, the Premier League, and yes, we do watch some of these other leagues um, more often. But it's that time of the year too where those leagues are not, not being played and they're starting up in the new seasons in the next coming weeks. So uh, anyway, thanks for getting that off your chest, but I wanted to respond to that. Johan Pena says, Hello, I have heard that there is a strong possibility that being sports is going dark very soon. Is that true? And if so, what's happening? What's going to happen to all the soccer stuff that they have? Oh. Well, and again, I, I've heard rumors too. I, I haven't gotten any sources or uh, anyone to say on record but i've heard rumors too that uh, they are in financial trouble um one person um said that it's possible that by the end of the year uh they could be out of business um again this this is something probably that is very much um changing i mean on a monthly basis in terms of looking at the future of being sports so being sports has have seen just in the last few months um, Kevin Egan, uh, Kay Murray, uh, Terry Lee, and uh, and others leave the network and go on to other things. So, from a financial perspective, um, they're not paying those salaries now. Uh, yes, at the same time, they're not getting the subscriber fees, the millions of dollars from DirecTV and from um, Comcast. So, it's probably a financial situation that, that's in flux. Hopefully, they will be around for. A, uh, quite a while to fulfill these contracts that they do have. But going back to the quote that League Un CEO said, it does, reading read between the lines, does paint a picture that they're concerned about the future of being sports and they're looking at options just in case if being sports did end up uh, pulling the plug and, and going dark, that they can still uh, have those games televised. And maybe that's what League Un's hinting at is if the worst possible thing happened, um, maybe there's a potential for a backup to be available to hit the, hit the ground running to go ahead and take on those rights and continue broadcasting the, the league. Last but not least, uh, Alan Huffman says, um, I was wondering if you know how the commentators are decided for MLS games on ESPN+. Plus. I live in Indianapolis and watch a lot of Seattle Sanders games. About 95% of the non-nationally televised games I watch always I always use uh, the commentators of who the sounders are playing and I don't understand why it would make sense to me that you would use the commentators of whoever the home team is this seems to be the case for USL games I have season tickets to the Indy 11 and attend most home games 
but any I have missed normally have the Indy 11 commentators in away games I watch have the opponents broadcasters. I don't understand why MLS doesn't follow the same schedule. My best guess is location and they use the commentators from my from the team closest to you. Thank you for all the hard work you guys do. World Soccer Talk the pod is a must listen for me every week. Well, thank you, Alan, for the, the kind comments there. We really appreciate that. Kartik, you, you probably have a better idea in terms of uh, how, the decision-making process and, and what the, yeah. why this is happening. I'm actually surprised to hear this because I, with USL, they do take the, the home announcers. And on all, in, in some cases, those home announcers are not actually at the ground, but they're calling it off monitors. But they're still – that simplifies the process to take the home announcers. Uh, we did the same similar thing in NASL when we had matches that would stream on the NASL site or, or on ESPN3 that uh, – for example, for Fort Lauderdale, we, we broadcast all our matches home and away and, and – uh, uh, one of the seasons, uh, because of whatever staffing issues, even though I was working for the club in a media relations capacity, I had to do those games also. We did the away games also with our broadcasters, but NASL streamed the uh, on ESPN3 streamed the home announcers for those. USL does, as you said. Um, I, uh, the Sounders thing is interesting. I'm actually going to ask ask around about that because I I had assumed they would just use the the. Uh, home announcers of, of, of any match. And if they're not using, uh, for example, Seattle plays Colorado when they're using not using Seattle's uh, announcers if Colorado has a broadcast of the match, which, by the way, in MLS, most uh, most clubs do broadcast their away games, have their own announcers broadcast their away games. It's like um, American sports, right, with the regional sports networks where uh, they you broadcast. You don't take the other team's feed necessarily for your own broadcast. Um I will ask and find out. That's that's uh, quite a stunner to me. And I watch enough uh, MLS on ESPN+. And now that I'm just thinking out loud, there have been cases where I've been surprised that uh, Philly is playing Chicago. The match is, at, is in uh, – uh, is in well, not necessarily that specific. DC is playing New England. The matches in Foxborough, and they're using DC's announcers. I, I've noticed that, so it does happen in MLS. Um, I'll ask about that. All right. Well, if you have any questions of your own or uh, any feedback, uh, disagreements or uh, rants and raves, you name it, uh, we, we're here to help you. Uh, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com. Again, that's web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. So, in closing, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And Kartik heading into another weekend of soccer. We've got uh, the championship kicking off. We've got the Eredivisie also kicking off this weekend, as well as the German Super Cup. And um, and what? The uh, Community Shield, uh, I think on Sunday with, um, who is it? Uh, Manchester City wearing a classic kit without a sponsor's name yeah. on it. That'll be interesting. But uh, what should they do? It looks, it looks a lot like the early 70s kits, by the way. Uh, if, if, uh, and now that the crest looks similar to that crest, even though it's not the same crest, uh, it works. It, it looks very much like uh, if you've seen uh, photos of, of Rodney Marsh in the latter stages of, of, of Mike Summer, Summerbees and Colin Bell's career, uh, among others, uh, Franny Lee, it's that kit. It, it really is similar to that kit, uh, 71, 70 time period. 
Enjoy your football. flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello Fresh. 